This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Greetings and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode 99, entitled, Mark's Son of Man, Who Has Authority on the Sabbath. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I am your host. This is your first time to the podcast. I want to personally welcome you, encourage you to subscribe, and check out all of our previous episodes on your favorite biblical Unitarian topics. If you are a regular listener to the show, thank you so much for helping us keep this podcast on the air. I appreciate very much your support. We are continuing our long study on the title Son of Man within Mark. As we have observed thus far, the title, which is a favorite self-reference by Jesus, indicates a human being who bears the authority of God. In other words, arguments that insist that Jesus has to be God in order to do and say the things that he did in Mark's gospel fail to do justice to the evidence provided by the Son of Man's sayings and its background within the Hebrew Bible. What we have instead is a high human Christology where God invests his authority into a special human agent. Our focus today looks at yet another conflict story where Jesus' disciples are accused of violating the Sabbath, resulting in another comment regarding the authority borne by Jesus, the Son of Man. Does Mark regard the Son of Man as God in the flesh or as a member of the human race empowered by the one true God? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today will be looking at the conflict story regarding Jesus' authority on the Sabbath. I'm going to read a passage out of Mark chapter 2 starting in verse 23. And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need, and he and his companions became hungry? how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That's Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. This is the second occurrence of Son of Man in Mark. And it happens 
that it is deeply connected to a conflict story. The conclusion offered by Jesus, namely, that the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, indicates that this Christological title is the answer, at least from Mark's perspective, to the drama involving working on the Sabbath. Like the conflict story involving the healing of the paralytic, this story stresses the authority possessed by the Son of Man to act in the manner that Jesus has demonstrated. Getting at the heart of who this Son of Man figure is will be crucial to understanding the importance of the authority he bears. The story begins with the disciples picking heads of grain on the Sabbath. Regardless as to whether this sort of action was actually in violation of the Sabbath's mandate to cease from work, the Pharisees regard the behavior as unlawful, and they ask Jesus why they were acting in this manner. Jesus responds with two examples that we need to further investigate. Jesus first cites the example from 1 Samuel, where David and his men ate the consecrated bread unlawfully because they were in need of food. His second response clarifies that the Sabbath was created to serve humans, not the other way around. The beginning of verse 28 in Mark chapter 2 has the English word so, and it is meant to offer a conclusion based upon the argument made thus far. Verse 27 states that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Human beings are spoken of here, and there is even a loud echo of the Adam narrative as the actual human being for whom the Sabbath was created in Genesis chapter 2. What is important for our study is how Jesus continues in chapter 2 and verse 28, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus goes from speaking of human beings twice to speaking of the Son of human beings, the Son of Man, connecting the two parts with the concluding conjunction, so. The human element of the self-reference, the Son of Man, is clearly implied with the former references to human beings in regard to the Sabbath. There can be no doubt that the one bearing the authority in this passage is a member of the human race, not some God dressed in human flesh or an angel from heaven. Our second point today is looking at the role of David in the conflict story. There are a lot of interesting parallels between the Son of Man and his disciples on one hand and David and his companions on the other. By looking at the parallels between David and Jesus, we might better understand why the story of David eating the consecrated bread was chosen in Jesus' rebuttal. Let's begin with the obvious parallel. Both David and Jesus were royal figures anointed for their vocation. 
This is all the more fascinating when we observe that at the moment of the cited passage within the span of David's life, he had been anointed by Samuel, but had not yet taken the throne. The same can be said of Jesus in the span of the story within Mark chapter 2. Jesus was anointed at his baptism, and he had not yet received his promised royal throne. If we were to step back and ask what other potential parallels Jesus could have cited with these particular qualifications, it becomes immediately clear that David is the only person who could adequately fit. Let's continue to examine the similarities between David and Jesus. Another parallel highlights the fact that both individuals were bearers of the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus, of course, was anointed with God's Spirit at his baptism in Mark chapter 1. And David received the Holy Spirit in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13, which says, Then David took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of Yahweh came mightily upon David from that day forward. That's 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. We have already mentioned that both David and Jesus were royal figures, kings who were to one day take possession of their rightful throne. But in the realm of the controversies involving their companions, David and his men on one hand, and Jesus and his disciples on the other, both David and Jesus possessed the authority to act in the manner that made them guiltless. It is this authority to act in the way that does not render one guilty that is at the heart of Jesus' declaration to be the Son of Man. So both Jesus and David were guiltless because of the authority that they bore. When we step back and look at all the similarities between David and Jesus, we can better understand why David's example was used to justify Jesus' behavior on the Sabbath. It should go without saying that David, the anointed king-in-waiting, was a human being authorized by the one true God. And when Jesus wants to refer to himself in this story, he uses the title, the Son of Man. That is, the human being with the authority from God to act guiltlessly like David before him. The parallel between David, the human king, and Jesus, the Son of Man, further highlights the humanity of Jesus acting as one authorized by the one true God. Our third point today is looking at the role of Adam in the giving of the Sabbath. As I mentioned earlier, the reference to humanity combined with the Sabbath is likely an echo of the Adam story in the early chapters of Genesis. If you recall, Genesis, specifically chapters 1 through 2, depict Adam, the primordial human king, as being created on the sixth day. The Sabbath, of course, is the Sabbath day, the seventh day. 
So there is an internal logic behind the statement made by Jesus that the Sabbath was made for man, since Adam preceded the creation of the seventh day. When the Sabbath is introduced into the narrative of Genesis, Adam had already been authorized and empowered by God to act as the human ruler on earth. So the addition of the Sabbath was not just created for man, but for the king Adam, that is, the human being with authority. The Sabbath was not the authority over Adam, as if Adam had to serve the Sabbath. In fact, there is no indication anywhere in Genesis that Adam honored, observed, or ceased from work during the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, just as Jesus said. It is almost as if Jesus had the narrative of Genesis chapter 1 through 2 in mind when he said that, quote, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, end quote. The important point for our study is that Jesus, while drawing his conclusion from the role of the Sabbath in the lives of human beings, claimed to be a corresponding son of man. In other words, the logic behind Jesus deducing a result from his self-reference as the son of man in light of the Sabbath being made for humanity, is that Jesus is claiming to be a bona fide member of the human race, just as Adam was. Of course, it's important to remind our listeners that the Hebrew noun Adam means human being. By echoing the story of the human being and the Sabbath in Genesis chapter 1 through 2, Jesus again is pointing to the title of the Son of Man as a human being authorized by God just as Adam was. So, in conclusion, we have observed that the conflict story involving picking heads of grain on the Sabbath, as narrated by Mark, results in Jesus claiming to be the authorized Son of Man. What does Jesus mean when he claims to be the Son of Man in this passage? Our study has revealed that his title refers to a member of the human race, a man who bears considerable authority. We first noted that there is a logical conclusion drawn by Jesus when he regards that the Sabbath was made to serve humanity, not humanity made to serve the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Humanity is Lord even of the Sabbath. By connecting the title, the Son of Man, to two mentions of humanity, Jesus is clearly portraying himself in solidarity with the rest of the human race. Second, we observe that Jesus' reference to David further gave depth to the role of the Son of Man. David, like Jesus, was an anointed, spirit-empowered human being bearing authority to act guiltlessly when his companions were hungry. By comparing himself and his situation to David, Jesus distinguishes himself from God as well as regards himself as a human being bearing God's authority. 
Lastly, we saw that the reference to humanity and the Sabbath drew us back to the opening chapters of Genesis, where Adam, the primordial human being, is portrayed as a royal figure bearing authority over God's creation. The Sabbath was created after Adam was authorized with God's authority, and since Adam in Hebrew indicates a human being, this, yet again, points to the Son of Man to be a member of the human race. I find this conflict episode in Mark to be another example demonstrating that he possesses a high human Christology, rather than an early divine Christology. Join us next week as we continue to explore what the title Son of Man means in the Gospel of Mark and how it contributes to Mark's Christological depiction of Jesus Christ. If you would like to support the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, please check out the episode's description for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for those who have contributed to keeping this episode on the air and free. Thank you so much for listening to us today at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Again, my name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, you folks take care.